Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. Today I have the absolutely fabulous Dr. Ate Jewell. Ate is an award-winning journalist, blogger, director, producer, public speaker, diversity advocate and founder of Ate Jewell Beauty, which is coming out very soon. I was recently on a panel with Ate and I was absolutely enamored by her sort of charisma and energy and I thought right I need to get you on the show so I messaged her on Instagram directly afterwards and here she is ready to tell us her three defining moments hello Roxy how are you I felt we were kindred spirits when we were on that panel oh my god so much for asking me to come on thank you so much for agreeing and what a quick turnaround I love it (laughs) it's brilliant online yeah I mean it's a digital age it's incredible isn't it so fun (laughs) So, we're actually going to go straight in with your first defining moment. Well, you know, it's very hard to, like, pin it down, but your life really does come to these pivotal moments. And I think a big one for me was when I was eight and my parents got divorced. And it was a real 80s Dallas dynasty juicy divorce you know my dad was a secret polygamist he had other wives and families dotted around the world he um was a diplomat for the UN so he could travel around a lot and it just blew my mind and it made me realize that people don't tell the truth people can be liars people can be two-faced you know in my opinion there's a touch of the sociopath and narcissistic personality disorder and I was exposed to all of that age eight wow and it yeah and it really made me realize um you know it like a little crack in the mirror Mm. that you're facing people and things and what is true I mean it's been a kind of a gift and a curse at the same time where it made me question things I can see I you know I can read subtitles of situations and people very quickly now which is quite helpful but then you know you you get massive trust issues you just assume the worst and it can be a bit of a burden but I think definitely my parents divorce realizing who are you about my dad because I was never that close to him he was always off being fabulous you know working around the world and just very toxic relationship growing up with him and I think that's very damaging absolutely it is and how do you think that actually um impacted your own relationships you know with um men in your life I mean in a positive way I was never interested in a bad boy because I had the ultimate bad boy in my life, you know. I was like very, very, I was very, very sensible. So I met my husband in the first lecture of university, age 19, and the questions I asked were, you know, would he be a, a very good father? <laughs> he's a very, he's very funny. I asked all the questions kind of a 39-year-old woman would ask rather than a 90-year-old 
he hot, which he is. <laughs> but you know, I, I asked, I asked myself all these really, you know, soulmatey questions about him, which I don't think a normal nineteen-year-old would, because I just wasn't interested in anything other than someone who I can trust. And my husband is brutally honest. Mm. And I really appreciated that about him, that he's not a liar. So, but then, you know, I look at my friends when they were dancing at their, you know, their weddings with their dads, or they have these teddy bear daddies who were just there for them. And I just don't get it because I never had that. Mm. So it kind of breaks my heart a little bit and I have nine-year-old twin daughters and I sometimes just catch myself staring at my husband who is the squishiest loveliest dad in the world and and I I say to him thank you so much thank you for just being so nice to them and he's like Ate they're my babies I love them and I'm like (laughs) and I feel I feel the need of saying oh that's so kind of you thank you and I just don't get it I just like why are you being nice to my people it's really strange. So yeah, I do I have damage? Loads of damage, mm-hmm. but I I'm quite sensible. So it's come out in other ways. You know, my damage is with through comfort eating and trashing my body, which I'm sure is low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But in terms of love and relationships, I've been really like, eh, eh, no thank you. So I, you know, I I was I've been with my husband for 23 years wow. now. So I yeah so ironically I went the other way I really believe in healthy relationships I really believe in marriage I really believe in the sanctity of a healthy loving relationship because I saw the opposite so it was kind of a blueprint I had such a lot of topic you know actually it's funny because I think often when you speak to people who have said have say had um, alcoholic parents they do tend to go one of two ways either they follow in their footsteps you know uh, they become alcoholics themselves or they actually get so put off because they've been so close to something that actually they end up never drinking at all so it really can go one of two ways and you know I'm glad for you that in that sense it has gone you know the way which is more wrong than the other way (laughs) yeah there's like literally nothing in the middle you're either kind of you know, a teetotaler, I hate the smell of alcohol, don't have it around me, or you're just like, you know, face down in a gutter somewhere, like after a bender. And there really is like, there, there, there's nothing in the middle. And I think it's the same, you've had a very um, disruptive home life, quite a traumatic home life. You either have horrible relationships are you saying no thank you not on my watch eight is very young and you know you said you've got nine-year-old twins and do you ever look at them and think my goodness they are they are so young and you obviously as a mother you want to protect them from any evil in the world um do you just think about your younger self when you look at them and think my goodness I can't believe I saw so much sort of darkness when I when I was younger than them it is quite shocking when I look at my children and they're girls as well. So it's like a little mini reflection of yourself. And they were, I was a year younger than them when my whole world literally crumbled around me. And, you know, we, I went from being quite a bougie princess financially to kind of my dad used money to punish my mum and kind of froze all her bank accounts. So I went from that dream of like being kind of a princess to okay 
what's for dinner? I don't know. There is nothing for dinner. And I remember crying because I was like so hungry. So I have had that extreme. And I look at my girls and I've worked so hard for them never to know anything like that. And they are little beautiful, sweet, lovely, lovely girls. I remember one of my girls said to me, I've had the worst day ever. And she couldn't have Chinese food versus an Indian takeaway or something. But I just thought, God bless you, baby girl, that that is literally the most traumatic thing that's happened to you today, that you did not get your first choice of an expensive takeaway. I've worked very hard for that. But the other side is that you don't want them to be spoiled. You don't want them to not know what the world is about. So it's a horrible, it's like as a parent, it's a balance of like, you know, let's keep it real, girlfriend, versus, <laughs> you know, yes, I'm so sorry you didn't get your, your spring roll, you know, like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a constant juggle. Struggle. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, try and give them some kind of like, clean your room, this is how it is. People, you know, everyone has what you have. And just, I don't know, like, current affairs and talking about your gratitude I, I'm trying my best but it's it is a balancing act you want to protect them but also being funny I am who I am because I had a bit of I had a, a shot of um you know trauma also gives you an inoculation for life no one can mess with me because my dad was the ultimate bad boy so no you know I remember the first time I was on Good Morning Britain and Piers Morgan was being a bit heavy and I'm like you know I'm not and I think he's amazing he's amazing at what he does but it didn't faze me at all because you know the scariest person I know was my dad age six screaming the house down so nothing bothers me and I'm not I'm not bothered and so that is also a gift but not how do you get that without being traumatized I don't know of course of course So how did you begin to heal that trauma and does it still manifest in you today? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I used my trauma as rocket fuel, you know, like, I'll show you. And, you know, I had a lot of people say no to me in my life. You know, I did go to really, you know, a very like privileged private school. I went to a girl's school in Knightsbridge, you know, um, and my headmistress told me, don't apply to Oxford. They don't want your kind. So I've had a lot of people say no to me. And because I've had that sort of, it felt like a rejection. It felt like abandonment as a child. I have a Teflon coating and I turn that to anger, I think. And I turned it to rocket fuel. And that can only take you so far. And then I crashed hard when I was in my 30s. I gave myself type 2 diabetes because I just you know, my go-go juice of sugar and for having a really negative relationship with food, just overeating, comfort eating. I ballooned 11 stone in 10 years, which is, I literally doubled myself from age of sort of like 20, 21 to 31, 30, well, to just actually after my babies were born, I just ballooned. And that was just literally eating my feelings, eating suppressing low self-esteem as you know I began to do therapy I saw a CBT therapist and just learning that what I was going through had words and names and that I wasn't I'm not you know I thought I was depressed I wasn't depressed I was just really angry <laughs> you know and like knowing the difference between anger and abandonment and being frustrated and you know what gaslighting all these words that had 
been happening to me through family and all my life. And just to have the words was very healing for me to recognize it. And I think the first step is recognizing your pain and then you can actually action something about it, you know? So I just powered through and it was actually my skin, which took me to the, to the doctor. Ironically, I just looked in the mirror and I'm like, that's not my face. That's not my skin. Something is up. And the doctors like confirmed everything that, you know, I knew something was very wrong. And they said, oh my goodness, you've given yourself type two diabetes. And I just had pushed it and used my body as a dumping ground, you know? Um, How did you feel when you found that out? I was just really heartbroken. I cried. I was so angry with myself because I know better. But, you know, also I've got that kind of perfectionist people pleaser about me and trying to cram everything in and I it's just you know self-love you just have to love yourself and not push it I really pushed it and I broke my body and I just you know it was a straight again I think every situation can be a positive and it was a heads up to start to change your life because literally you don't get many second chances in life so I literally the next day booked into yoga which I'd never done I always laughed at I started doing ballet because I loved to dance as a child and I really wanted to be professional, but I was told you're black, you've got a West African body, you're never good, ballerinas don't look like you. And so I just stopped dancing and I listened to that. So I just started dancing again. I lost four stone in four months. Um, wow. I, yeah, I almost, re- you know, I've almost reversed my diabetes. I'm borderline now, another stone and a half and it'll be gone. And it w- and I moved to the countryside. I moved to the Cotswolds. It's very peaceful and it's quiet and it's just full of nature and I go for walks. And so it was really a weird heads up. You need to change your life if you want to live and live well. So I think out of every negative can come a positive. Absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, I do, I think that, you know, very inspiring because you you found something out that, as you said, really made you feel heartbroken. And next day you went, right, I'm going to do something about this. I'm not just going to sit in it. I'm going to take, take back control. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's wonderful. So good on you because not, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that when you find something out that makes you feel, um, you know, like you said, you wish, you know, you you just, why didn't I do it differently? Why did I allow this to happen? Um, You know, that can really take away a lot of our confidence and self-esteem, which we need to make the change. So (laughs) deep is amazing. But what I think is also interesting is that, you know, something that's happened to you is, a child um, has it doesn't always the trauma doesn't always manifest straight away does it sometimes it's a decade later two decades later um, and I think often we do forget to really address and heal the trauma at the time and then sometimes we have to deal with it a lot lot later on <laughs> and realize that if it's so like I, I remember speaking to a therapist because listen you know it's nothing to do with you it's you know your parents divorced and I always you know my dad was it was very clearly he was a bit of a shagger and it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> I never had that hang up of like oh if I, if only I was good enough or I was like no it really is you um <laughs> <laughs> so I so I had that but then I realized you know the older I got it did feel 
it was a form of abandonment. It, it did feel like a form of rejection. And my, 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 you know, my dad has said some really quite nasty things. He used to say like, you're really fat. No one will ever love you. He, he, you know, he, he was, he was quite basically everything to kind of destroy your self-esteem was my dad's playbook in parenting. And it took me a lot, a lot of time to forgive him. And for me, forgiveness was the key to letting go. And I'm no longer an angry, hurt child, which I probably was until a couple of years ago. Now I have it in me to be like, what happened to you? Why are you so broken? So I like, like, wow, I have it to kind of like, want to give him a hug. Like something really bad must have happened to you to be like this because Absolutely. it's not cool. And so I, it's, it's turned to kind of forgiveness and pity and I feel better for it. But I never, ever, ever thought I'd be here. That's so wonderful. There is such power in forgiveness. It, Oh, my goodness. It's one of the best things we can do. Yeah, I thought to forgive with weakness, but it's the opposite, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Do you know, I think without it, because with with anything we with ourselves with anybody in our lives that we feel bitterness towards anger um resentment if we can just come from a place of compassion in some way even to the people who have hurt us and that might be more challenging at times than others if we can come at them with compassion and um you know that kind of what did yeah what happened to you exactly like you're saying what happened to you to make you do that where is your pain coming from that pain is yours and I forgive you for what you've done um, that is the most empowering thing I think we can do for us to let go of those horrible feelings of that you know anger and resentment and bitterness um, and to surrender and to let it go and open up space for so much more love and positivity yeah you know you know it really love and light bless you this is you know we all are on our own journeys something you know my coping skills are very different to his to other people's I don't want to judge you were a terrible father to me but god bless you you probably everyone does their best even if their best is terrible everyone does their best right yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more um so let's go to your second defining moment so the second defining moment was becoming a mother myself, was becoming a parent. Mm. I was a workaholic. I am very ambitious. And my 20s was just head down, working until two o'clock in the morning, having sugar as my go-go juice, just like work, 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 having something to prove and knowing that I have to work 10 times harder as a black woman in the beauty industry just to be sort of on the same leving, you know, level playing field. And I got to, and I know deep down, being for me being a parent is one of the most fulfilling things and it was something you know as women we have a clicking a, a clock ticking you know and I knew I wanted to be someone's mum and I knew that would be a beautiful experience but I always sort of put it off and randomly I went to a psychic you know at beauty launches they always whip out a psychic and I went to a psychic and she said you're having twin girls and she said stuff which was just like 
every single thing she said came true by the way no every single thing she said came true and um incredible um and she's like you're having twin girls you're gonna get pregnant in october la 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 la. and this was like five years before they were born and i was like yeah whatever and then i then i went to see her again um and she said to me um, you've got a massive block about becoming a mother. I said, no, no, no. I love my husband. I can't wait to be a mom one day. And I was 32 at the time. And um, she said, no, you've got a massive block. And then she just held my hand and said, your husband's not your father. He won't abandon you. You're going to be okay. And I remember bursting into tears. And then the next month, <laughs> with twins and it was October and everything she'd said five years before had come true and it was just realizing that I didn't have to be stuck repeating mistakes I wasn't gonna be my mum I wasn't gonna be all trauma and that being a mum wouldn't hold me back because you do get brainwashed into thinking that as soon as you become a mother you have to give up in a a funny way you have to give up your power you know this is how we've been taught in the sort of misogynistic culture we've all been brought up in but what I realized is I have never been more empowered being someone's mum I've got these two women who are just literally the best things that have ever happened to me they make me so much stronger and more ferocious and they make me want you know I want the world to be a better place for them and for them not to suffer or go through anything I went through and really my activism my you know being a diversity advocate really kick-started the middle you know the moment I became their mum because not on my watch no one's going to treat my baby and they, you know their mixed heritage and they have their own issues they're dealing with you know i'm half nigerian i'm half trinidadian my husband is english he literally looks like a viking he's blonde blue eyed my girls are mi- yeah my girls are mixed and they you know we live in the countryside and that brings up its own challenges they are the black girls in the village and they have an experience i don't understand or know of I grew up in central London I had you know it wasn't easy it was um but much more cosmopolitan mm. a much more international schooling and education but it just makes you ferocious and also it gives you quality you want quality with people so you don't accept toxic behavior from other people either you know from your girlfriends or family you don't have the time for the nonsense so becoming a a mum was like being having a laser in your life where you just cut out all of the nonsense oh I couldn't agree more (laughs) you just I don't have time for I just don't have time for it and it's a gift that has been a real gift and they are the most fun and you just they they are instead of anger and food being my rocket fuel being their mum is my rocket fuel which I oh, think is that is so beautiful oh, thank you tell me because I have been dying to know and I always ask this every time I meet someone who is a mum of twins yeah how does it feel when you get told there are two heartbeats um there were a lot of f-bombs dropped in the office um I at the time my husband and I didn't drive and we lived in a one bedroom third floor flat so that was like beep we've got to learn how to drive beep we've got to get a ground floor bigger flat 
beep, beep, beep. And then the lady said, oh my goodness, I think I see a shadow. I think there's a third one. They thought it was triplets. (laughs) Then I almost fainted. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, my God. And you know, it was literally, it was just, it was, you know, we were really blessed. It was the literally the first baby making uh sex we had we got pregnant like so i didn't even have my i didn't have the time to get my head around it it was like bam and that is i know it's a a, a gift and very special but first go and then twins stroke triplets but it was twins it was quite mind-blowing i'm not gonna lie and but beautiful and a gift and something i don't take for granted because fertility is such a huge it's still such a huge taboo topic that we don't discuss. And, you know, the minute I got pregnant with twins, it caused a lot of problems with a lot of my friends, like friends, people who I'm not friends with anymore. It all, you know, people suddenly were like, well, I've had three miscarriages. This is really unfair. And I'm like, you were trying for a baby. I'm so sorry. Like it was just really traumatic. And, you know, yeah, I had a, it was a, a very interesting time being pregnant. Not, it was, I worked throughout my pregnancy. I am that person. I was just like, I'm a type A. I just like, let's go. I was running my business, my production company. I, you know, you know what I'm powered. I was like, I was five months pregnant at London Fashion Week. And like all my cameramen were dropping because they were tired. And I'm like, come on, eat some nuts. Let's go. Yeah. I'm like, when I'm having to give my cameraman, like, you know, my, my cashew stash, you like, I'm like, come on. <laughs> I've got oh my god I love this yeah I was just giving I was like giving them feeding them cashews I'm like let's go let's go so like I'm quite I'm hard I'm hard I'm tough um so and I do think that helped me just with the distraction of like let's do this and power through but how was that first year then so because I mean for I think well the first three months I think about at the time when everybody said oh having a baby at the start is so hard and then it gets better and I remember at the time thinking it's bad but it's it's not that bad I'm getting on with it but now I look back and think god that was mental like that was that was absolutely nuts. So, going off no sleep for months on end like I couldn't do that now but that's with one so how like how are the newborn stages how is the first year because now you're probably like oh twins it's a breeze you know uh how was it then the only word I can say was like are you kidding me (laughs) expected to do this and still be alive at the end of it so it was like double breastfeeding it was up all night it was like crying in stereo I am so thankful that my husband is amazing he was just he was just my partner he was just he was in there you know he was really he was just he was just a beautiful beautiful dad and he was just amazing it's so yeah oh I'm not surprised well well done you superwoman when did you start going when did you start back at work really two weeks after giving birth what don't judge me a huge like opportunity campaign happened and um I just felt I couldn't say no especially being freelance you I have a freelance mentality you just can't say no so I the the babies were two weeks old I went off to do some filming and then the car came uh, to drop me back home and the the driver wasn't driving fast enough so I remember opening the door and running out of a moving car because I was like you're not going quick enough to get to baby because I was at the top of my road and I just remembered 
just being quite feral and just opening the door. And he goes, I'm still driving. It's like 20 miles an hour. And I just opened the door and I ran to my children. And then maybe I was thinking, maybe that was a little bit too soon. But um, yeah, two, two weeks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> two weeks. It's a beautiful moment becoming a mum and a mum to twins at that. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. We all know how a Christmas carol begins, but you've never heard it like this. Marley was dead to begin with. Dead as a f- doornail. Now, I don't know why a doornail. They've never had any life to begin with. But bottom line, Marley is dead. A Christmas Carol, The Rude Retelling, read by Brian Harvey. Listen to the uncensored version out now. Find it wherever you found this podcast or go to podfollow.com slash Scrooge. Buff humbug. So, Ate, what is your third defining moment? So the third, I mean, I've had an amazing career. I love the beauty industry. I love the creatives, the artists, the passion um, of everyone I work with. I am so in love with my beauty tribe. But this summer, with Black Lives Matters, it has been quite phenomenal the turning point, not just for the world, but for the beauty industry. Now, for 20 years, I've been fighting for my more diversity. Like, I'm 42. At the beginning of my career, when I was 22, you'd be lucky if there was like five shades or six shades, you know? And the six shades would be, you know, the, the, the darkest shade would sort of be a Beyonce color. Or if someone was very progressive, it would be kind of like a Grace Jones, really sort of on the other side of the spectrum. And everyone in between, you know, there was nothing apart from sort of Mac or Bobby Brown. It's just how, I mean, how is that making young, you know, black women feel? I mean, to, I mean, you know, 20 years on, things are so much better, but there's still a shocking lack of diversity. How does that make you feel? It makes you feel invisible, that you are not valued, that you do not, you know, as if you don't have the same aspirations or the same dreams of other people. I call it a beauty apartheid, where you're allowed to be excluded in such a terrible way. And, the, you know, I would often say to big companies, why don't you have my shade? I'm here. Mintel reports show that black consumers spend eight times, you know, eight to nine times more on hair and um, beauty than their white counterparts. It's not a case of money. What is the problem? And I was, you know, shot down a lot of the time or people say, oh, it's coming or in six months time or there's not enough shelf space or we find that black consumers can't afford to buy at this price point. All this offensive, yeah. I was told that only the other week, uh, like the, only a few months ago. Um, yeah, I like all this offensive nonsense I've had throughout my career. And then Black Lives Matters happened. George Floyd was murdered. 
And it was as if everyone else has woken up mm. to see what I think I've been shouting about for the past 20 years. The unfairness, the lack of diversity being, you know, beauty for me is about culture. We we reflect our values in how we present ourselves and what we think of who we are, you know, in, in beauty. And it's the message is very loud and clear what people think of me as a black consumer when it comes to my hair and beauty products and skincare, that I'm not that important, that I don't matter. And I, you know, it has been so amazing that so many brands have been you know, wanting to make a change, looking at themselves from their infrastructure to their offering, and really asking themselves the questions which I know and all my friends who look like me know about what is our responsibility? What can we do about this? This isn't good enough. Not in 2020. It's slightly ridiculous. And I've I've been really heartened. I really feel this is not a box ticking trend thing and then we're gonna just bounce back to normal. I think because of COVID nineteen the whole world has woken up to the fact that there are invisible boundaries in the world that some people, you know, and if you're a woman, if you're gay, if you're, you know, disabled, you know very well what these are, you know? And I think everyone else, because of COVID-19, people who maybe don't have these barriers, they've had privilege in other ways, are finally realising what that feels like and that it's time for social justice. So I've been really proud of the work and the messaging that so many people in the industry have been doing and that it's it's time to to really make a change and make a stand i'm also launching my own beauty brand because i want to be the solution if there's a problem be the change you want to see love that <laughs> yes <laughs> so it's taken me 4 years you know um roxy like like a couple of God, in the beginning of my journey to get here, so many factories said, well, you know, we don't want to support your your launch, your brand, because you probably won't be able to afford the numbers. We, we, you know, like black consumers won't buy it because they don't want natural. Um, I, I, I would speak to chemists and all the chemists I spoke to were always middle-aged white men who told me, I'm sorry, we have a computer and the data says that uh, men and women with black skin don't want to be glowy or radiant. Oh, I'm literally a black woman and a beauty journalist saying I want to glow. No, 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 no. The computer says no, because you have oily skin, you want to be matte. This kind of like nonsense. And, you know, and people not willing to be trying new techniques, because I think a lot of products on the market aren't good enough. There are some things which are beautiful, but maybe, you know, I want a different offering. Maybe I want something which is a clean beauty offering. Maybe I want different ingredients. I want different. And and why shouldn't I have that choice? Choice is a quality. And I really believe in beauty equality. So I'm fighting for that. And also I'm launching my um, Dr. Ate Jewel Education Foundation, which is all about supporting black students in higher education. When I went to university, I I read history at Bristol uh, in 1997, which is not that long ago, but I was the only black person in a room of 200 people to read history for that year. Why? (laughs) (laughs) It it was quite shocking. And, um, And I think that's half of the problem. When you do not have people in positions of power who look like me, 
it is very hard to have real change and to have real diversity. So, you know, I've made it my mission to help more black students get into the rooms of power, get to sign the checks, get the people to sign off the marketing. And that's how you're going to get real change. So for me, this has been a pivotal moment. Literally, before George Floyd was murdered, before Black Lives Matters, people kind of were like, oh, you know, diversity is a nice to have. If I want to be really progressive, maybe I'll stick in a Beyonce. And, a <laughs> uh, and then literally like a switch overnight, everyone's like, okay. We yeah, you know what? I think it, I have to say, even for me personally, I really wasn't aware of what was going on. And I think a lot of people can, will say the same is that I didn't, I had no idea what it was like to live as a black woman. Um, I had no idea about the racial um, injustice that you face every day and hearing the stories and um, really actually accepting that ignorance wasn't okay anymore. I think because it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable, isn't it, to talk about racism and it's uncomfortable to hear stories that make you just feel like, so horrible inside because you just think I can't believe someone faces this like today you know you you don't want to hear it and then we can just kind of ignorance is an easier option and then the minute you you know I think we all basically just had this it was like a social revolution wasn't it where if you weren't making a point to make an effort to educate yourself you were going to be called out by your friends about it we now all are kind of they're watching each other like I hope you're doing your bit to make yourself more educated to help you know um the world um really eradicate racism so I think I really am glad that you've had that is one of your moments and um just so inspired by your um dedication in within the beauty industry which has been um so prejudiced and you've been right in the center of it and just stood your ground for 20 years I think that is so cool oh thank you I mean I just knew that I wasn't having it and I have a right to be here that I'm not you know I've always been made to feel very othered or grateful that's the thing. Oh, I remember a beauty brand saying, we've got three shades for darker skin tones. How do you feel? Isn't that great? Aren't you so grateful? And I remember thinking, I, I said to them, well, how would you feel if all, with you, your family and all your friends and everyone you knew only had three shades to pick from? And she kind of went, oh my God. And then she thought, she was like, and it's that gratitude. You should be grateful for having kind of the crumbs from the table. And I just always knew no, I am I am the default setting. I am the center. I am mainstream. And until everyone gets with the program, I'm going to fight and talk and be as noisy as possible about it. And I think, like you said, everyone is, listen, it is a very uncomfortable conversation to have. But, and because you also have to realize, oh my goodness, what has my role been in this? What have I done? How have my, you know, do what the things do I, I have? Are they be based on, my do I deserve them or is it based on privilege and people start to have to examine and 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 ask themselves very uncomfortable questions but I think it's a win-win when we have real social justice it means more talent gets into the industry and other industries it means that we just have 
more, more cake to eat. It's not about taking away from people. It's about, guess what? The person who was told this is not for you, don't go into the sciences. Guess what? They're in the lab now and they're going to help find the cure for cancer. That's a win for everybody. I love that. You know what I mean? No, I'm not having it. So I just think it's about all of us winning together. It's not about blame I think it's about kindness and honor and strength and moving forward being a really united community and culture and country it's not about hate I hate I hate cancel culture I'm not into canceling listen I'm it's terrible if you want to judge me on how I was at 18 like please are you kidding me it makes me genuinely feel so sad that people get you know, like we say, ca- literally cancelled for something they said when they were young. We are ever evolving, changing, growing. And if you can't honour people as they are today, like you have to take someone as they are right now in front of you, not as they were yesterday, a week ago. And I think that's the problem. We don't honour people as they are. It's it's punch and Judy. I think it's so much. It's very cheap. I think it's very easy to play the blame game and to throw people away. It's so much harder to be like, I challenge you to evolve. I challenge you to be better, do better, and that is so much more interesting, in my opinion. So never be scared to say the wrong thing. If your intention is good, if your intention is to learn, do not be scared. Have the conversation. It's so much better to have a conversation. Ask the things that you you know, ask the things you talk about behind closed doors, throw the, throw the doors open. And I think that's so much more healing and so much more powerful. Everybody, Cause you know, everyone has unconscious bias in some form. Everyone has it. And it's about how can we grow and, and do better? You know, cause we've got, we're mummies now and it's about our, our kids having a better future and, you know, our grandchildren, God willing, having a better future. And we need to be the ones to sow the seeds now, you know? That is such beautiful advice. That is absolutely perfect. Thank you so much, Ate. And, well, before I leave you, I'm going to ask you 10 quickfire questions. Perfect. Okay, so what is your most memorable book? Jane Austen, Emma, because I felt seen and heard. I mean, there was a lot of gaslighting in my family growing up. There was a lot of... uh, you know, reading between the lines. And it was the first time I ever saw someone who spoke or recognized the in-betweenness of society and culture. And it made me feel, okay, I'm, I'm not crazy. Someone can say something and be actually, you know, basically I think Jane Austen is the queen of microaggressions. So she, she basically helped me understand what a microaggression was. And I found it very healing. Um, your favorite quote? Um, my favorite quote. Well, my mum gave me the best advice ever. She said, um, which I think is from an ancient Greek uh, quote, which is basically make your hobby your job and you never feel like you're working. And that's what I've kind of done ever since I was 21. <laughs> I love, I'm obsessed with quotes. Yeah, very. It's, it's just knowledge, isn't it? It's just wisdom. Oh my god, it is. And they just—I think it's like a mantra in a way. It just sticks with you. It's easy to refer to. You just got it in your little toolbox. Like, oh yeah, this is what I should do. <laughs> um, your most influential mentor. Um, it sounds really 
odd, but I never had anyone I really looked up to, to who I wanted to be in my industry. So I used to say to myself, I want to be me in 10 years time. And I used to always, I, I would hold on to that. I want to be my best self in 10 years time. And I, that, that's how I used to self-motivate. I would buy myself, I remember being in university and I bought myself a file of facts. This is how old I am. Uh, I bought myself a file of facts and I said to myself, one day this will be filled with appointments because I will be who I want to be. Oh my god, stop. That's actually yeah. so cute. <laughs> I still have it. You know, my girls found it in a box and they and my daughter Adana was playing with it. And I was like, there you go, girl. You fill that <laughs> up. You go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like my mum. <laughs> I said, yeah. Me. Me in ten. So I always think me in ten years' time. Me at fifty-two. That's who I want to be. Love that. Um, your go to feel good film. Oh, so many. I love a Jane Austen. I love musicals. I love 1950s musicals. I love film noir. I love anything. Oh, I, I do also love a James Cameron post-apocalyptic. I know that sounds really... <laughs> but, you know, I love Terminator. <laughs> I love all these really, uh, you know zombie films it just makes me it used to make me feel safe but now we're living through a post-apocalyptic oh yeah exactly i mean yeah just anything where it's either really really arnold schwarzenegger or jane austen which kind of is who i am nothing in the middle um a moment where you felt most proud um anything to do with my children don't make me cry uh, also winning the CEW award for Achiever Award this year, which was just such a hug, such an acknowledgement from my industry. It's like a beauty Oscar. And, you know, in 20 years, I always felt like on the outside looking in. And so to have that acknowledgement and that honour has made me feel very proud. Congratulations. That is so amazing. And that is so beautiful, especially what you've just said there, that for so long you felt like an outsider and then you, achieved, you know, you got, you got the award. Yeah. And, and now you know that you're not on the outside. You are right in the middle. It makes me feel very, very proud. Oh, I really love that. Um, a song that cheers you up. God, any ABBA, anything like hip-hoppy. I love just dance. I love just Britney, Beyonce, just anything kind of like where I can strut, you know? Yeah, I feel you. Top tip for dealing with stress. Take a walk in nature. Just put mm. your shoes on, get out of the house, find some nature, and just be very, very still. App. Absolutely. Oh my God. There is no better feeling than just being outside. Um, which I would just say, if anyone listening, especially now in winter when we're not outside as much, if you are feeling stressed, put on your coat and just go outside and just walk. First three things you do when you wake up. Have a stretch. Um, have a little bit of a yoga stretch. Uh, check my phone, which I know is really bad, <laughs> but it's the truth. Stretch, check my phone, um, and then go and do the school run with my babies and make breakfast and mummy things. Heaven. Um, your guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure. Um, I'm 
I don't I'm not I don't feel guilty about it but I love Made in Chelsea which my husband judges me for but I you know I went to school in Knightsbridge and it makes me just very nostalgic so <laughs> I love Made in Chelsea and I love, I'm just obsessed <laughs> um one thing you'd like to achieve in the next year the successful launch of my beauty brand and also I'm writing a book so for those two to set sail and help people and make them feel good and seen oh I love that and writing a book my god you are non-stop busy (laughs) busy busy and happy yeah I'm writing it's called coils and curls the ultimate guide to loving your hair so I'm writing that over you know it's, it's coming out in March so very exciting um and the first person you called to share good news my husband my best friend yeah since I was 19 we've done how many so we've been teens 20s 30s 40s I've done four decades with my with my partner in cram wow that's what an achievement is that that's so cool thank you Ate you have been just the most wonderful guest I have been smiling from start to finish you are so inspirational you have such how do you have so much energy I honestly don't know it's incredible you even just the way that you speak about everything you can just feel the passion and the love behind all of it um and the authenticity which is something that you know i admire people the most so thank you so so much for sharing all your wisdom your story um and your good vibes oh roxy thank you so much and thank you for the beautiful work you're doing i know you're helping people and i think you're very brave and i think you're amazing so thank you oh thank you so much that's so kind thank you lovely bye Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.